Good morning. So I turned on the TV yesterday afternoon and came across a Christmas movie marathon, and then I turned off the TV. I mean, good grief. We used to, we waited till Thanksgiving, and now we're not even at Halloween, and it seems to be in full force. It isn't even Halloween yet. But the good news is, as I was preparing, my homily reminded me of something in the Holy Land that has to do with Christmas. That is, one of the caves under the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem is said to be the stable in which Jesus was born. I visited it myself several years ago, and I remember it vividly. The main access to the basilica is a very small door, a very small door called the Door of Humility, which visitors must enter bending over as if to enter a cave or a grotto. It was made during the Ottoman era to prevent mounted horsemen from entering the basilica in order to vandalize or pillage it. That door is a challenge for short people. So for normal people like myself, it was an even greater challenge. I remember it because I didn't bend low enough and nearly scalped myself as my whole pilgrimage group watched and laughed. They're all going to hell. I saw stars as people laughed at the priest, and I found myself thinking evil thoughts right there at the Church of the Nativity, the place of our Lord's birth. Ironically, it's the most fitting way to enter that church, though, which celebrates the lowliness of the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph and the humility of God, the place where the Son of God emptied himself to be born a man. And that doorway is a symbol of the one requirement anyone has to meet in order to approach God in authentic and true prayer, prayer, and that is to be humble before his throne. Humility is a challenging virtue for all of us. It often points to the reality that, in fact, we're powerless, really. I recall a story about a woman who had battled alcoholism for her entire life. Finally, after a family intervention, she entered a treatment program, but in reality, she was bitter and unconvinced of her need for treatment. At her first meeting, one by one, each person in the group introduced themselves and said, I am an alcoholic, or I am a drug addict. The introductions continued around the room to this woman's annoyance. It was finally her turn. She announced, hi, I'm Lisa, and my family thinks I'm an alcoholic. But simply, she was acting like a Pharisee, for even though she was broken and ravaged by her addiction, she had convinced herself that she wasn't as needy and hurting like all these little people around her. And those well on the road to recovery at the meeting began to laugh and shake their heads at her lack of knowledge of herself. Finally, someone explained to her, that there was good reason to identify themselves as addicts. That is, it is an admission of powerlessness. It's a way of saying that addicts really need God's help. So acknowledge who you are and what you are is the first step to authentic life change, growth, and redemption, not just the alcoholic, but all the rest of us, whether it's admitting I am an alcoholic or saying, as the tax collector did in today's gospel, oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I'm reminded of what of another moment in the gospels when Peter asks Jesus, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. I'm also reminded 
of the penitential rite of every Mass, when as participants of this holy sacrifice, we don't start out by patting ourselves on the back for showing up. We begin by identifying who we are. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I'm a sinner. So why is this so important? I mean, does God prefer that we grovel before his throne in our need? Maybe not grovel, but certainly to look at ourselves honestly, to admit our sinfulness, our weakness before God is the ultimate admission of powerlessness over them. It defines us for what we truly are, fallen and flawed and in need of God's mercy. And in that moment, all our silly pretenses can be stripped away. We admit that due to sin, we find ourselves in a deep hole in our need of God's mercy. And then God can truly work miracles in our lives. He starts to build us up. He can heal us. It's the moment that God can mold and change us. For in our weakness, God is strong. Apparently this isn't the case for the Pharisee. And Christ's message is striking, and it's a salvation doesn't belong to the powerful and the self-absorbed. The ones who feel secure about their own goodness and think that they're fine just the way they are. Instead, salvation belongs to those who understand their limitations, their weaknesses, their dependence, their frailties, and their sins. To paraphrase the Beatitudes, the meek will inherit more than the earth, for they will inherit eternal life. Today's parable must have shocked Jesus' audience. Once again, as he did so often, Jesus turned conventional wisdom upside down. He, just like the Good Samaritan story that identified the Samaritan, a member of a rejected class, as good, this parable told them that a Pharisee, a man who followed the law to the letter, even went the extra mile, was not as good as the tax collector when we examine their motivations for prayer. For the Pharisee comes to pray to pat himself on the back while the tax collector opens himself to the movement of God. Of course, tax collectors were hated because they cooperated with Roman occupiers and made their money off the backs of their own people by skimming off the top. What was Jesus thinking now? But beyond knowing his sins, the tax collector also knew he was in big trouble. He knew literally where he stood as the Pharisee did not. So this gospel asks us to remember before whom we stand, the God of the universe. You know, in last week's gospel, Jesus told us to be persistent in our prayers. Here he's asking us to take another step. Don't just be persistent, but be honest and be humble with God and also with ourselves. As the addict knows, admitting we are powerless ultimately gives us power, the power to be more fully human, to be more fully God's creation, more fully his children. So each time we come to Mass through the penitential rite, there is our admission that we are sinners, which leads us to true freedom and authentic joy. And it may be the greatest irony that we are empowered to live with true peace and purpose only when we acknowledge our powerlessness. The tax collector was able to admit what he was and realized where he was. It's a lesson 
we all need to learn. For in a few moments, we encounter and receive Jesus in Holy Communion. And then right before that, we say, Lord, you're not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. It's a great reminder of the humility to which the parable calls us. For the God of the universe humbled himself, coming to the earth, and taking the form of bread and wine each time we come to Mass. When we receive him today, may we be open to how he can change us and our hearts for the better.